NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Hey, thanks for the intro. This is uh, Kevin Bieksa, uh, a.k.a. Juice, a.k.a. KB3, a.k.a. your host. Joining me uh, probably forever is, because I can't shake the guy, is 2010-2011 Selkie Award winner, followed by finalist six years in a row, Ryan Kessler. What up, Kess? Hey, buddy. Okay, so a little uh, preview of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the coaching controversies that are going on right now, a.k.a. Bill Peters, a.k.a. Mike Babcock, uh, the Sutters, um, all that stuff going on right now. We both have some unique perspective on that. The Canucks' strong start to the season, being two former Canuck legends. We got that. We'll just briefly touch on, and then uh, we're going to preview – Todd Bertuzzi is going to be our first guest ever on Kess and Juice. He's a guy that kind of mentored us when we were younger. Great guy. Kind of excited to talk to him. What about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, he was definitely a mentor for me growing up, and, and uh, you know, I'm still good friends with him. You know, it's going to be good to catch up with him again. And then you know what? Let's talk about minor hockey parents because you have Riker who's right in the middle of it right now. I have Cole who's right in the middle of it. And we both have some awesome stories or, or, or sad stories, I guess you should say. Yeah, I mean, kind of right in the middle of it right now. So it's, uh, you know, I have a lot, of, uh, a lot to talk about with that topic. You know, it was a good thing I heard, just not to get into this too much a long time ago, was a hockey parent can't really do anything to help their kid, but they can sure hurt their kid. You ever hear that? Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, kids got to be kids. <laughs> and uh, what is it like less than 1% of players that play hockey make it to the NHL. So my biggest thing is, is just let the kids have fun and enjoy playing and, and don't, don't want it more than your kid. <laughs> let your kid want it. Coaches, coach, players, play parents, parent. Stay, stay in your lane. So that's, uh, and then if we got time, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Italy. We went away, how long ago was it? Like four weeks now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do we go? We went to Tuscany. Tuscany. For a week of, in the middle of kind of nowhere, beautiful villa at our uh, mutual friends. A lot of wine, a lot of great food, a lot of good, good friends. So we'll, we'll briefly touch on that too. Sound good? Sound good, bud. Do you want to do this podcast thing? Uh, yeah, of course. I'm just really <laughs> bad at it right now. Why, why are we doing this, first of all? Tell, tell the people why we're doing it. Uh, you know what? I think we both, <clears throat> we're both recently, well, I'm on long-term IR and you're not quite yet retired, so you're kind of figuring things out. So, you know, I think we're both, you know, still in the game enough and we have a, a unique perspective and, uh, or two personalities that, um, you know, I think people get you, but a lot of people don't get me. So, um, you know, it's a chance to show off our personalities. And, and uh, you know, I, I think you're a pretty funny guy. And, you know, to be honest, I think I'm a pretty funny guy too. So people are going to, people are going to like you when they get to hear you actually, because you, you're pretty, you were guarded and certainly guarded in Vancouver with the media and opened up a little to Anaheim. But when people get to actually 
listen to you talk, like they'll, they'll, they'll understand why we're friends. <laughs> Not just because we were roommates for nine years. Not because we were forced to be friends, but why we really are, <laughs> why we really are friends. Why I followed you to Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. You followed me. I convinced you on Anaheim, I think. Well, you helped us out. Well, Andrea convinced me on Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. I'll give my wife credit on that one. Okay, well, let's jump right into it. With the, the first podcast, obviously the big news right now in the, in the hockey world is all the coaching controversies that Bill Peters resigning recently uh, amidst his um, the allegations of him. And I guess he's actually admitted to it. The comments he made 10 years ago to a player on his team. And then there's the, uh, the Sutter comments and accusations, the Babcock cast. Like we've played for a million coaches before from all the way from minor hockey to the AHL to the NHL. It's a, it's a delicate, it's a delicate topic. So maybe don't tell us exactly how you feel, but like, what do you think of all this stuff? <laughs> um, you know, f- you hit the nail on the head. It's delicate. And, you know, I think the way coaches coached 10 years ago was different from the, the way you can coach now. And, and, you know, for me on my experience, I didn't really deal with anything like the Peters incident. Well, you know, I, I have been kicked every game early on in my career and, and uh, screamed and yelled at, but, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a delicate, it, you're throwing stones in glass houses. You know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain that every single coach has a, has something they're not proud of that they'd done back, back in the day. And, um, you know, if, if, uh, if everybody starts throwing stones, it's not going to be good for, for any of the coaches. Well, let's, let's separate, let's separate some of the stuff. First of all, like the, the racial, the racial comments and all that stuff. Totally get that. Totally inappropriate. No 100%. place for it. No place for it. in, in any, any sport, let alone hockey. Uh, it was dealt with the right way. He resigned Calgary accepted, made their comments. So that's, that's a non non-factor, but let's go to like the allegations of, him kicking guys on the bench. Uh, what else did he? Somebody saying he, he punched a punched player. A guy in the head. Like so, now we get to a little bit of a gray area. Yeah, like punching a player in the head. You can't punch a player in the. First of all, if a coach punched me in the head, I don't know if I'd have the restraint to not punch him back. But well, I think they like, they pick on the young kids, right? Because that's who they can get away with it. That's yeah, my. The, that's my. Because when I was young, the same thing happened to me, and you know I was kicked. Um, I was verbally assaulted. Um, to the point where, you know, I need to start talking to the sports psychologist back there, which, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and that was just I from your dad, eh? Health. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Big Mike. <laughs> which dad? <laughs> Didn't I have a couple of them? Oh, I don't know. Uh, we'll have Linda on a little bit later to uh, clar- clarify. There's no place in the game for that now. Even 10 years ago, um, you know, yeah, I think coaches try to get the most out of their players and, and – you know, sometimes just, you know, they cross the line and, you know, racism um, has no part in, in hockey or in life. And, um, you know, if, if he did say that, which obviously he did, um, you know, he, he, he deserves to get fired or, or resigned, whatever happened there. Coaching is a fine line though. Like I, I coach, I've coached a few years, right? Like even when I was playing, I'd help out my son's team and now I coach as well as you do, it's a fine line, especially as the kids get older and it gets more serious. And 
you want to motivate them or, you know, like your team's just not ready to play one day and you, and you have to motivate it. Well, how do you motivate them? Right. You can't, can't always just use your words. Like, come on guys, we got to play. But sometimes you got to raise your voice. Sometimes you got to make a little bit of a scene. Like that's just how you motivate people sometimes in general by being like, I don't know, emotional and a, a little bit abrasive, but it's a fine line to walk. Is it not? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, you kind of, for me, you know, you got to do self checks. I always hated negative coaches. I always thought coaches were being too negative. And then, you know, I get to coaching and, and your team's not playing well and you start, you start being negative and, and, um, you, you know, for, for me, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to coach and there's ways to intimidate players. And for me, a coach, a coach nowadays has to be like a psychologist. They, they have to coach everybody and figure out the, their players' personalities and how to get the most out of each and every individual. Yeah, I remember when you used to, the coach used to just, he had the authority, he had all the pull, and he would basically tell the players what to do, and, and they would do it. Like, I would do it. I never questioned any of my minor hockey coaches for a second. There, a lot of them had, like, military background that kind of belief. And now it's like kids, the way they're raised, they want explanations on everything. And we're well, talking about like eight why. years old. It's the why they have all the answers at their fingertips now on their iPads, on their phones. Um, you tell them to do something. They're like, why? So, you know, I think that's when you gotta not, not be a snap show and, and, you know, work with these kids, you know, I work with eight, nine year olds and, you know, they're good kids. They just don't work all the time. And, um, you know, it's how do you get the most out of, out of, out of eight, nine year olds and how do you teach them about consistency and character? And, um, that's my biggest thing is, is right now it's not about wins and losses. It's about teaching these kids character. And, and I, my son's playing a silver stick tournament right now. And I walked into the locker room and the entire locker room was like, uh, uh, the kids before us dumped the garbage can over. It wasn't just like tape. It was, you know, liquid stuff on the ground and cans and uh, food. It was disgusting juice. And I went yeah. upstairs to the to tournament officials and lost my mind. I'm like, listen, like who it was. I, I don't even know what team it was, but I'm like, how, how this, and it was a bunch of 14, 15 year olds that just, they don't have respect for, for the locker room. So, you know, for, for coaches, they like at that young age, you got to teach the kids about character, respect, all that. Right. And uh, then it's about wins and losses. Well, how many times have we gone and did hospital visits and stuff like that over our careers? And people tell us, you know what? Hockey players are the best because more than any other sport, they're all gentlemen. They all treat people the right way. And, and that's, that's the shit we want to teach our kids more than because how many kids are making it to the NHL? from our, our son's minor hockey teams. Yeah, maybe one or two. Exactly. So, like, at the least, can we not teach these kids how to be, like, respectful, you know, kind, mature, responsible? Like, that's, that's what you want out of sports, no? Yeah, you want coaches to teach kids how to, how to be good people and how to respect and, and, you know, just be good people. And, you know, that's what I didn't see in that locker room. Yeah. Okay. We could talk about this all day. Let's, uh, let's move on to 
our old team, the Vancouver Canucks, after you left and, and I left and Burr left and, and Hamuse left and the Sedins retired, the team uh, had a couple tough, tough years, like any other organization has to rebuild. And they started, you know, drafting well and, and building up the minor league team and new coaches came in who we've played with and against almost all of them now. And mm-hmm. I saw them play earlier this year. Uh, I've watched them a couple times on TV. They're, they're starting to become a playoff contending team finally now. It's been a while, but it's, it's fun to see. And I, I know I have my opinion, but what, like, what's your opinion? Have you even watched the Canucks a lot? Yeah, you get- to be honest, I watch them a lot, especially when they're out east. Um, you know, last year, the year before, you know, I'd always tune in and watch them play. You know, playing on a team and getting traded um, – you know, you still keep tabs on your old teams, right? So mm-hmm. I, I've always been following them, and and you know, I always just noticed they they start off really well, and then they kind of fizzle out. And you know, to be honest, I, I think that top line of Peterson, Besser, and and Miller, they, I mean, they're one of the top lines in the league right now. But you know, after that, you know, I think you need secondary scoring, and you need your bottom line to produce. And if they're going to continue this this run that they've been on, I know they've slipped recently, but you know, when we had those good teams in Vancouver in 2011, 2012, um, we had you know top to bottom contributions from the entire team, and you know that's that's what they're going to have to keep building on, finding that depth, finding that secondary third third scoring, and go from there. We had everything those years. And to be like a top contending team, you have to have speed. You have to have skill. You have to have uh, good special teams. You got to have toughness, jam, leadership, character. You have to have all those goaltending. To be a good team, you need all of those. And they, they finally, like I said, like four or five years later, they finally have the right pieces where they have. You talk about the top line. So we got... Pedersen, who is one of the most highly skilled guys in the game. But then you got like JT Miller, who this guy plays hard, right? This guy's yeah. almost like the Burroughs. The Burroughs. Yeah, he's going to go in. He's going to muck it up. He's going to take pucks hard of the net. And good then you got like. Too, right? Yeah, good, good on draws. draws. That, that whole team. I mean, I think they're top in the league or one of the tops in the league in, in faceoffs. And you got Manny Maholtra, who. Honestly, I thought was the best faceoff guy in a game when he when we played in with the him. world. In the world, yeah, seriously, in the in the world. And you, if you got a guy like that teaching you, um, you know that's a big reason why they're top. In the He'd league. only have like one or two though. He nothing crazy, just one or two. <laughs> but then you got uh, then you got Furland, right? Who obviously people think that we have this thing going. I I think the guy's a great player. I think he's a huge addition because again, a guy who can actually play and has a ton of toughness. So now let's like Bo and Besser and that's some of the these other younger guy, guys. Right? Yeah, that's the yeah. new tough guy. You, you got to be able to play. And, and you know, I hated playing against him. Um, but, you know, he's, I loved he's it. a guy that when, <laughs> when you, you want him, you want to be on his team. You know, I, I'm sure I drove him nuts too. And, and uh, just to be able to, uh, you know, sit back from the game now and watch the games. I know he's – I think he's out with a concussion now, but um, – you know, he, he's he's a guy that brings jam to that team. Same with Beagle. Beagle's a guy that plays hard. He's hard. To I like Beagle. Against. And he's like that. Resp- I think the fourth line center should always be a veteran character, responsible, good on draws, penalty killer kind of guy. Like that's to be guy have a successful role, team. Right. Fuck. Yeah, like that should be a non like a mandated thing across the league. If you yeah. want to be a successful team, your fourth line centerman has to be 
I'll have it all those be qualities. A young guy. It has to have a, a guy with jam that's good on draws. And can carry two young guys on his line because that's 100%. where your young guys are going to have to start and, and develop, right? Shit, so that's where I started. I started third, fourth line, and, and I had Trevor Linden as a mentor. And, uh, and that's you where know, you ended too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember you know, coming off the ice one. Yeah, that is where I ended last, last I'm year. I'm kidding. Settle down. And out of the lineup. No, it's true, Juice. I ended up on the fourth line. That's what Every- happens when you're skating on one hip. Everybody ends up that way. Yeah, and then with Trevor, like, like I, you know, for him to mentor me early on like that. And I remember coming off the ice one time and obviously you got Trevor Linden on your line and, and, you know, you, you look hey, buds, buds. And I come off the ice and uh, Crawford goes, why the fuck aren't you taking the draws? I'm like, well, you know, like Trevor wanted to take the draws. He's like, who's playing center? You are. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, hey, Trevor, can I take the draws from now on so I don't get yelled at? <laughs> so you got Trevor Linden on your line who wants to take the draw, and then Crow's yelling at me to take the draws. Yeah, but you got like you had a veteran like guy you respected on your line. Like, how good yeah, is that for? That's was, fucking unreal for you to come up and develop with a guy like that, rather than having like three young punks on a line trying to well, figure it out. That's in a what new I league. think's missing in the game now. I know the game's younger, faster, more exciting. But, you know, for me, I had a group of guys that were, you know, mentors for me, older guys that were, you know, either, you know, just out of their prime or, or you know, entering the later, later stages of the career that, that took me under the wing and taught me how to be a pro, took me out to dinner, showed me the ropes and, I just feel like that's missing from the game now. You got, you know, really young players coming in that, you know, like you said, three kids on a line that do they really know how to play a 200-foot game or, you know, are they going to, you know, cheat and play the game the wrong way? That's that's the big question. I'd rather have 200-foot players on my team than rather than a guy that scores 50 goals. Gotcha. Well, playoff time for sure, right? Yeah. Look at look at Tampa Bay. Sad to say, but look at Tampa every year. Run, run they just run the league during the regular season, and then don't maybe don't have the two hundred foot forwards that they need to be successful in the playoffs. But back take the play against two hundred. Back to the Canucks. So like their D, I think their D is is the best they've been in five years easily. So they bring in Tyler Myers, who I played with before high quality guy super steady play him in every situation so right now i think they started off they had him and eagle together and then i think recently they put him with quinn hughes and they got tana with ben and stetcher back with you they've kind of thrown the d in a blender but usually it's edler and myers which is a great first shutdown pair Mm -hmm. then you got hughes who i don't know if you've seen this kid play this kid's pretty pretty dynamic yeah i like and then playing over 20 minutes a night i think but then you got, and then you put him with Tanev, who's probably the most responsible defenseman in the world, right? And in the sneaky world, good, like really sneaky good. But to me, he's super smart. He once a game he gets blown up by by a four checking forward, but that's Tanman. Um, he pops up and and makes the play. So <laughs> he's, or he or he blocks a shot off of his face once <laughs> yeah. at least once a game. Goes to the bench, comes back, doesn't miss a shift. <laughs> That's so true. We Those could talk about we could talk about Tan Man forever. Tan Man's gonna be I mark my words, he will be a guest very soon. Cause he's he's a quiet guy and people probably don't even really know him, like who yeah. he is that well. But he's an awesome guy. 
and he's a guy we got to get we got to get on here to pick his brain and actually get him to explain some of these things and then sorry their get third pair is is uh jordy ben who i actually really like same kind of thing right like you're talking about character eagle guy. yeah put a character guy who you trust a ton veteran guy you know you're gonna get put him on your third pairing and then stick whoever you want with them in this case stetcher who's you Great know not a rookie too. not a rookie but you know young guy still learning the game but pretty good player so that's that's three good pairings yeah completely agree that by far the best since you know you were running the show back then fuck you hate the d anyways you probably don't even care about i love the d, the d. i i shit if you don't have good d you're not breaking out of your zone and that's you know that's one of the main reasons you know, wrap it our, up our with, with Markstrom. 20 goals, right? But we had, what, 9, 10 forwards with 20 goals that year? I mean, that's the reason. We never spent any time in our own zone. You guys were so good at getting us the puck. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. And then talk Markstrom. When Marky, I, I love Marky. So I played with him maybe like one or two years, I think, before I left. And wasn't quite sure like is this guy going to be a legit number one he's been unbelievable the last two years he's Mm -hmm. he's definitely silenced all the number one critics he's had a great year and he's another guy he's a good teammate too guys all really like him and want to play hard for him my last year i played with him and say i had the same feeling is this guy going to be the the deal and and super good guy good teammate um i've seen him a couple times throughout the summer and um you know He's playing unbelievably right now. That's the Canucks right there in a nutshell. We're not gonna we're not gonna beat the Canucks up too much here, but we're gonna talk about it from time to time just because we still have they just still have a place in both of our hearts. We spend a lot of time there. We want the team to do well and get back to the playoffs. And uh, we'll we'll just kind of guess we'll talk about them once in a while. If you're, yeah. if, you're if you're if you're good with that, re, rebuild the RK seventeen brand and the Vancouver yeah, fans. I mean, I know it's a. Uh, it was a tough breakup, but you know, they'll always have a, uh, a place in my heart. And, you know, it's where I've spent my whole, uh, all my twenties, my teens, um, you know, it's still go back there, you know, six, seven times a year, 10 times a year. And, and, uh, you know, I still have a lot of friends and, and, you know, I consider family now out there. You love Vancouver. I know you do. And uh, you're the city. Yeah, that's great. You guys are going to become tight again real soon. I have a feeling. Oh, hopefully. Obviously, when when they, uh, you know, when you touch the puck and you get booed every time, it it definitely hurt. And you know, obviously, it's it was my first game. I was so amped up, and hearing the boos, it just deflated me. So, I, I wouldn't know what that. I wouldn't know what that feels like. Yeah, you don't get booed in Vancouver. You get cheered. <laughs> So, Cass, recently, I think it was like six weeks ago, we were in um, Siena, just outside of Siena uh, in Tuscany, Italy. Like, great place to go. If anyone's looking for a vacation spot or a recommendation, we've been, you've been to a lot of places. I've been to a bunch of places before. And this is, for me, this is one of the top, top two or three I've ever been in my life. And Kind of like the, the stuff we did, like more of a, a low-key relaxing. Like we had really good friends that we were with. That made it awesome. But like tell them about a little bit about like what we did, the landscape. Yeah, it was, it was, it was shit. It was my first, first time in Italy. Um, you know, I was really skeptical of it. I hear, you know, good food, good wine, blah, blah, blah. You know, like everybody hears Italy. First thing they think of is, is you know, Italian food and, and 
it blew me away. Um, you know, I think part of it is the, the people you go with, but another part of it is, is the experience you have. And, and for me, the top highlight of the trip was probably the food. Um, other than the people, the food, the wine was amazing. Um, how good's a wine though, where you drink it all day and all night, and then you wake up with no hangover in the morning. Oh, and I'm going biking through the, through vineyards and you're going on runs. And it's, it's honestly, you feel so good in the morning. Like there's no hangover. It's, uh, you know, just the whole trip. It, it's kind of a trip where you, you slow down your lifestyle, right? Because you're in, yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in vineyards and, and all you see is rolling hills and you kind of disconnect from your phone, from just from life. And, and I feel it's, it's, fuck, it's, it's good to just deconnect, de- deconnect once in a while. So we rented the, my highlight was the one day we rented a bunch of uh, convertibles and we, we got awesome weather the whole time, which helped. And it was, yeah. it was warm. It was probably like 70 and, and sunny, not super warm, maybe like 65 and sunny. We rented a bunch of convertibles for each couple and we drove like an hour and a half through Tuscany. So through Montalicino, which is known for its wine, through a whole bunch of castles, just unbelievable scenery like one of those things where i'm picturing the drive on oh like you're picturing in your mind like i'm gonna remember this drive for the rest of my life and we're just like flying around these little old dirt roman roads and Mm -hmm. going up to these castles have like a nice lunch and then drive back i didn't didn't know how i was gonna like that either i was skeptical of that i was like okay and then literally we we drove for what two and a half hours juice and just it was it, it felt like we drove for 15 minutes i wanted to keep going like just the rolling hills the curves the you know having the four convertibles five convertibles and just just ripping down these vineyard roads it's it was uh it was pretty spectacular and then you did your act and started passing people on the one lane roads and always gotta do the act hey eh? music rap music blaring andrea's dancing <laughs> andrea's twerking out of twerking, the uh, twerking out the window while the car's moving same old act yeah it hasn't changed in 15 years why would it now you're listening to the cast and juice podcast joining us right now former first round draft pick in 1993 23rd overall that's a little bit higher than Kess. former new york islander vancouver canuck florida panther detroit red wing anaheim duck calgary flames it's a lot of teams He's an 18 handicap golfer. I don't care what he says. He's one third of the legendary West Coast Express. Partial mentor to Kess and I, our friend Todd Bertuzzi. What's up, Bert? Good morning, guys. 18 handicap, eh, Juice? This is why you're doing a podcast, so I can't pound you over. <laughs> so you didn't like my intro, is what you're saying? Oh, no, your intro was half, half correct, a little bit correct, but you know... You're a storyteller. You tell it the way it is, though. But no, everything's good over here. Do you think you're you're actually two thirds of the uh, West Coast Express because you could eat mo? <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what? That's probably probably correct. But no, Mo was uh, Mo's beautiful. He was. Uh, you know what? It was one of the reasons why that line was what it was because. Mo would sit there and complain all the time that me and Nazi would just pass to each other and exclude him, and he'd come back to the bench and say how he's sprayed with invisible paint and all that. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I sure miss those days. I, uh, those were some beautiful, beautiful times, and uh, 
unfortunate because when you're in the moment, the hockey's so serious, winning and losing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then now that you're older and all that, you can take a step back and realize how much fun it actually was and what a good time we had there. Was uh, have, having a good time, like when you used to wear turtlenecks to practice with no shoulder pads? Remember those days? <laughs> I know. I, you know what? You look at some of the pictures back in the day, and, and I make fun of my son right now. My son talks about style and all that, and I thought that I had style back then, but now I look like an absolute loser, just mixed match of underwear and stuff and all that. But uh, that's what Brilliant. happens. She looked like a yeah. beer league player when you played. <laughs> no shoulder pads. No, I, I remember. Chin, I remember the chin strap undone. You thought it was a hey, Harlem Globetrotters. Hey, remember when uh, the team went on the road and we stayed back in Vigno, had to run practice, and it was like a twenty-five minute delay because I wouldn't do my chin strap up. <laughs> Those are the days. Or, or it could have been because because when the coaches explained the drill on the board, you were over talking to the trainers, leaning on the bench, chin strap undone, no shoulders. That's kind of what I remember. <laughs> See, boy, see, see how I caught you well? I said, I knew that's why I wanted to stick with you two. You two came in cocky, just a little bit quiet, Neanderthal-like, but I knew he had a big punch, so I made sure I had him on my side. But no, you two were... You used to tell me to smile all the time because he's like, hey, Kess. I'm like, yeah, what? He goes, smile. You're in the fucking NHL. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I will. I know, Trey, 20 <laughs> years later, you still never fucking smile. <laughs> smile a little bit more, more now. After a couple yeah, glasses no, of tequila. Yeah. No, life's a little bit easier after you retire. You don't have that much pressure anymore, eh? No, isn't that the truth? What about what's uh what about playing for Crow? I know what it was like for me as a rookie. What was it like for you as a big dog? Well, you already know my feelings on him. I I'm not the biggest Mark Crawford fan. I'm pretty sure we could probably have a beer now and I'd end up cracking him one. And, and, and rip him and rip him. Yeah, you know what? No, I, I've seen them before. Whatever, you know what? I, it's man, I'm 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 about just moving. I move forward and stuff like that. He was, you know, it was kind of it was hard because he played us so much. Like I was playing 25 to 27 minutes. Right, yeah, you had a love love game. hate with and him, right? Yeah, it, it was, but it was just those back and forth. Like I really played hard, just to despite how how our meetings would go or or how yeah. things went and all that. So at the same time. Uh, he drove me nuts at the same time and motivated me to be better, though. I, yeah, I, I feel like back, back then you could, you could definitely coach differently back then. Like, he knew how to motivate certain guys. Well, you guys already know. That's, that's, that's that era. This is a complete different era now. Like, I spent uh, three years coaching my son here in Detroit. And uh, just how you have to handle the kids nowadays. Just, I, I just believe everything's so much more magnified um mental illness and all this kind of stuff and and it is the serious stuff and all that kind of stuff but you look back at on, on back in the day that was just what we're we're spoken to and talked to like from our fathers up to our minor league coaches and then all the way through up so i think i think the kind of coaching benefited me it sure toughened up my skin i didn't realize you're this articulate now you never talked like this 15 years ago I know. I just started reading. <laughs> You're such an idiot. I know. Usually on the plane, I'd sit there and just pound about 10, 15 beer okay, passed out. Easy. Wake up in the You're reading? Day. What book are you reading right now, Bert? 
No, I'm just kidding, but you know, I, <laughs> I don't have time for reading, man. I'm too busy following the kids around and doing uh, some hockey gigs here and there through Canada and then uh, following my son playing hockey and all that kind of stuff. So I, I keep pretty busy. Are you still living in Michigan or did you move up to Canada? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I was in, uh, I had a place up in Kitchener. You guys know where that is. And uh, I was there for 18 years and I ended up uh, staying in uh, Michigan after it was done. So it's been, it's been good. Actually, I just had my first gig last night. I worked uh, the Red Wings TV last night for, uh, for a very tough loss in Philadelphia. So uh, it was my first time on set doing it all that. I kind of enjoyed it. Maybe looking at maybe uh, pursuing a little bit of that and just keep myself busy. Yeah, Red Wings stink right now, don't they? Eight rolls in two days. Yeah, but remember, it's, it's, it's actually pretty hard. Like, I had to – I'm once a player, always a player. You two know that. That's the way it is. Like, I will never, ever criticize a player. If the game's easier from uh, upset or up top in the bleachers and all that. I can't do that. What I try to do is try to – figure out how to put a positive spin on what's going on. But remember, this city, it's hockey town for a reason. They went 25 straight years making the playoffs. It's freaking incredible if you think about it, how spoiled they were. Like, you look back at our days in Vancouver, we thought that we were running the, running the West and doing well and all that. And it, there's nothing like the run that they had here in Detroit. And they're not used to losing like this especially with our city uh booming right now the restaurant industry is incredible the people are coming out now downtown and all that and it's an unfortunate time it's, but it's crazy how, it? how detroit turned around though the city in general with the restaurants and the bars i know but you know what sucks so catch is that all of our sports teams oh, aren't doing very well terrible right now. <laughs> terrible yeah we were hoping it was going to kick start even more and all that but i still get down the line games i go to a couple tigers games here and there but uh yeah, it's some dark days right now in the sports world here in Detroit. Hey, I was uh, about, I think it was about six weeks now. I was in Vancouver for my son's tournament, and I went to one of the Canucks games. And I did that. They do like a little siren siren thing now where you try to get the crowd going before the drop of the puck. And so yeah. I'm talking to everyone there, all the team staff, probably a lot of the same people that when you were there. And uh, they said when you came back for the, the 50th anniversary and you got on the gear and you went on, you went on the ice or something like that, right? With a bunch of other guys, Steamer and yeah, some of the other guys, yeah, well, the, Dan, Danny yeah, City. Kirk, Kirk yeah. yeah, but they said was, everybody who I talked to said that you got the biggest ovation by far because, like, you've been so out of, out of sight, out of mind for so long. And then when you came back, like, you were – you know, all three of us are legends. Let's call a spade a spade. But you were a legend in Vancouver for a long time. The people loved <laughs> you there. Legend. And they haven't seen you for so long. They haven't seen you for so long, and they loved seeing you again. So get yeah, going. Yeah, you know what? I'll that speak on that. melon yeah, on the ice. Yeah, you know what? It was, it was really, really weird putting that equipment on, man, because it seemed like when we were all together, it was another lifetime ago. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, man. It's just life has just gone so fast and quick, especially – uh, the latter half with retirement, all that kind of stuff. But man, was I ever humbled coming back and and seeing all the faces. Chris Brumwall was a huge part in getting me out there to go do this and all that. And the, the team was classy, organization classy. They did a fantastic job. I thought it was going to be cheesy getting out there and doing that. Because I remember yeah. when I was playing, if any of the older players came around the room or had to do stuff like that, I was always like, come on, man, leave the game. So I always <laughs> that back in my mind, whenever anyone asked me to do anything, I was like, as long as it's not cheesy and I don't feel like the guys are going to say, get the fudge off the ice, you big ogre. 
Oh, you, oh, you can swear at our podcast. Anything goes here. It's almost like when you're when you're playing there, like you you appreciate it, like you know that you're playing in a Canadian market and an unbelievable market. But then when you're gone for a couple of years and you're retired, and then you come back and like I had my son with me, yeah. and I think I had like four or five kids kids on my team that I coach, and they're in the press box watching. And fuck it, how cool yeah. is it? Like it's a first class organization. Well, and you, they, hey, they really you right, make you feel right now. I'd love. Yeah, I would love to be playing in that fucking rink now because I'll tell you right now, that rink is spectacular with the, the light show and the kind of music they're pounding right now. Like when I was there, I've been there now yeah. three or four times like I've come into town and uh, it's freaking a lot. I forget how freaking awesome it was, man. Like I look back on the day, sometimes I'll get some people sending me stuff or whatever. We had that city rocking for a long time, man. And we had quite the core group of guys like... Uh, uh, I, I never want to do do-overs or whatever, but that would have been one of the ones that I would love to say us all stick together, whatever, and try to make a right. run on it. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but I think we had one of the fucking sickest, most entertaining hockey teams around. You guys had, like, you guys started it with, like, you, Bert, uh, sorry, you, Mo, Nazi, Jovo, Matias, Kluch, and then it kind of funneled over to like Casper, myself, the twins, and then Luongo came. Like you guys kind of passed the torch to us. But you're right. We had like probably 12, 12 years of fucking dominating the West, yeah. which was a I good time. I remember my first training camp coming in and me being an 18-year-old punk and, and we would scrimmage for all the fans and Bert, Nazzy, and Mo would go on the ice and literally they just play keep away toying with everybody. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Like yeah, you know, just it, skate it, circles it, 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 around it, it, guy. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. I, it, I, there was, by the way, there was nothing better than our training camp. And the best thing was, guys were all hung camp. over doing that. <laughs> I had this as a que- I had this as a question for you, Bert. And I'm glad you're going right into it because it, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it was like man, like we literally, honestly, I think what were we there for five days? Like five days or whatever. Probably, uh, I feel like it's longer. longer. Three weeks. Longer, probably, be, yeah, because you guys are sitting beside me, smelling the beer coming off my skin. Well, you would put me in a headlock and drag me out, twist my rubber arm, and then you you come up to me in the line, and, and I remember I was struggling. It was in Winnipeg the one time. We're in a practice rink. It's my first training camp. I'm struggling, can barely skate, and you come up to me and you're like, Kess. I'm like, yeah. He goes, act like you've played hungover before. And I go, I haven't. <laughs> oh, man. It was like. It's funny because. We went, five, you know, we went five days straight at training camp. Like it, it was, and it wasn't just one or two. It was like a whole group of us. We had some freaking clowns in that team. But it was like, you, you go to practice. You do the inter-squad game. Skate. You go straight for bar lunch. You go play golf. And then you went out afterwards all night or whatever. You freaking get home, brush your teeth quick, put an outfit on, come back to the rink, pop four or five goals, make it look like you did it before. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was awesome. Give give the fans what they want, right? But that's what it was. It was like four or five days of just bonding, like burning the candle at both ends, like skating, hungover, battling, giving the fans a show, and then hanging out with the guys after and and then how tight yeah, were you coming out of training camp i think, I think, camp, I like think that's that. what gra- yeah i think that's what gravitated a lot of the uh so-called big dogs on the team the guys are running with you two i think you two were um Katz was more quiet didn't say much or whatever but he had he had this confident arrogance about him that i love 
I thought it was cool. That <laughs> no. I and no. I, I actually, <laughs> I, I appreciated it, man. I was like, this kid's got a set of rhino balls. The way he carries himself, he walks in and all this kind of stuff. And then obviously with juice coming in, I think everyone gravitates you. We need, we need a little bit more spark and spunk back there. You're just like a little water potato back there running around, chewing on everyone. Rah, 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 everything. Just like, yeah, that's, I think that's why we gravitated to you guys. And we enjoyed having you guys around all the time. And I hope you guys felt the love too from us. But it was different back then. It was a lot of tough love. No, I agree. I, I always tell everyone who asked, uh, we, Kess and I and Burr, we came up with great, great leadership and just like great guys to kind of learn off of. So like we appreciated yeah, everything you guys did for us. Fuck, we learned a lot from you guys. We had fun. Fuck, it's, it's, uh, it is a little bit like sad thinking about those years because they were so long ago and they were, they were so fun. But yeah, I'm getting, they're right. I'm getting feel, the two I, minutes. Yeah, I, yeah I, I feel I – feel, we uh, we, we could have did a lot better with, as a team and all that because if you look on paper, we had a badass team, man. The team that uh, liked playing for each other, loved to have fun. Like, Just man, a good group playing, of guys. Right? All the, all the, all the stuff. Remember too. on the road, man? Hey, remember on the road, all the fans would be out at 2 or 3 in the morning, obviously seeking autographs, but we'd have yeah. freaking 40, <laughs> 50, 60 people around all the time wherever we were going. It was like a traveling road show. Yeah. Speaking about the speaking about the road, remember that one time you wrestled that teammate on the the hotel couch for forty five minutes in your suit? <laughs> oh, in Calgary, oh, I remember no. that. I remember in, that. Hey, enlighten, okay. enlighten me. I don't remember that. Tyler Bauk. Yeah. You two, you oh, two were a bunch of couple hey, water hey. buffaloes wrestling on the ground for like till like four in the morning. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that's just hey, that's boys. That's shit that doesn't happen anymore in this league. Zero like, chance those guys it happens. Hey, like I can tell you, a really they really bring cool their video story. games on the road. No, yeah, I, well, catch you guys would know. You guys left a little bit later or uh, uh, after I did and all that. I didn't catch the video game side. Thank God, I would have broke every console there was. But <laughs> uh, I remember, like, just like I remember funny stories. Like I remember we were in uh, we were in Florida. Uh, Mike Keenan was our coach, and this was back in I'm going to say maybe 2000 before you guys were there. I don't know. I think you guys weren't there, but I remember we had a day off. We went out uh, in Miami and we're whooping it up in Miami and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we get back home at six in the morning and we have practice, I think at one o'clock. So everyone went out and we had a great time and all that. We're on the ice and everyone looks hung to the gills. I'm hoping you guys were there, but maybe not. But uh, I remember we we're doing a drill where everyone's in a corner and uh, the great Yurke Lume, came into the corner we're sitting there and all of a sudden this fart comes out and this cloud of <laughs> dust came over the rank at practice it was like the worst <laughs> beer fart you can ever imagine that came out and everyone's like runs from the corner runs away my kid's like what the fuck is going on he comes out and he goes jesus christ everyone off the ice now <laughs> Like shit like that, that it's a big, huge beer fart uh, can knock a practice off, and that's how that's how it was back in the day. It was it was a lot simpler and a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember the one time, like a, a night after rookie party in Montreal, and it might have been just after you left. Vino was the coach, and we stumble onto the ice, and everyone tripping, falling, going onto the ice. He realizes what's going on. He goes six laps around one way, six laps around the other way, and off. <laughs> and, and, and right back into bed. Yeah. Like that's the way it used to be it's back. Crazy. Then. How was he? How was he as a okay, coach? Boys. 
Vino, you know what? Um, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Your boy, Trevor Linden, told me uh, earlier in my career, he said, by the end of your career, you will say that Elaine Vino is one of the best coaches you ever had. And at the time, you know, you're a young guy and he's hard on you and you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't think so. And sure enough, I'm standing here right now. And he was one of the best coaches I had in my career, for sure. Just fair, like very blunt, very that. honest, but but yeah. fair, right, Cass? Like he was hard, yeah. but he was hard on us and he, he demanded a lot and, and he would. And he gave me leeway too. He allowed me to blossom and, and not get on me too yeah. much, but he got me got on me at the right times and, you know, a system. It, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's funny, eh, guys, how, how you look back on it with some of them. It's, it's funny how uh, you two loved him and then how many wouldn't have liked him and all that. It's funny that some personalities mm-hmm. of coaches get the best out of you and you look back at it right now and they were probably some of the worst to some other players. It's, it's, it's weird like that. Like with Mike Keenan with me, Mike Keenan was the greatest human being in the world to me. He let me blossom, let me be me and he helped create me and he protected me and all that kind of stuff. But you, you ask other people, they don't say the nicest things sometimes and how we handle situations and all that. So it was good. Okay, boys, this has been fun. We had a lot of a lot of good shit here. So thanks, yeah, Bert. Thanks for coming for on, catching buddy. up with you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and good luck with this shit. I hope you don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate do, appreciate the feedback. <laughs> okay, boys. Thanks, buddy. All right, thanks, okay, buddy. Bye. See you, bud. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to our our first episode of Kess and Juice. Uh, we're gonna. We'll get better at this, right? We're just we're yeah. Just starting. We got training wheels on right now. We'll take them off here pretty soon. We'll figure Can, this thing out. Give us a break here. Like yeah. let us breathe, let us breathe a little. We'll get better. And if you guys like this, we'll keep going. If not, no big deal. We're uh, going to be at kessinjuice.com if you want to follow the website and check out the platforms, the podcast platforms, Twitter accounts. We both have Twitter. We don't use it a whole lot, but we're probably going to have to start using it now and uh, keep you kind of informed on what's going yeah, we'll on. We'll jump back in on Twitter. Yeah, we'll be we'll make an honest commitment to you guys. I'm at KBXA3. Do you even know what yours yours is at? at? Uh, Ryan underscore Kessler. Okay. I don't have Facebook because it's 2019. I don't think you do either. Do you? No, don't have Facebook. But, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll get an Instagram going. I don't have one right now, but I'll, I'll start one up. Mine's mine's private. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a joint Instagram account where we can both both post fun stuff. Okay, guys, thanks. See you next week. Bye.